F the Cowboys, F all the rest of the East, but, you know, go Birds. To another episode of Next Man Up, and we are back, baby, with an Eagles win against the Vikings. Let's get ready to rumble. Fighting out of the Scottish Corner, we have Mick the Beard Shagger. Fighting out of the English Corner, we have Phil the Fence Mount Stevens. And I have no idea why I'm putting on this voice, but I'm Irish. <laughs> Mick, Phil, how are you? You can tell I'm excited. I can't wait to get into this podcast. Just finished watching back the game after a late stay up last night, and. It feels good, baby. Mick, how are you? We got a win, baby. <laughs> feels good, yeah. doesn't it? I can get used to this winning malarkey. Feels really good. <laughs> oh, Phil, how are you, sir? Does the, you, you, you and Mick both stayed up with me late. We were both still awake as the uh, the final whistle sounded about half 4 a.m. UK time last night for anyone listening in out of the States. Yes, we are committed. Yes, I did waver a little bit during the day yesterday, knowing I had a 9 a.m. training course, but I managed to pull through it. Um, I mean, I kind of know how you're feeling, but just tell everyone how you're feeling. Oh, it's, it, was, it was brilliant. I mean, I can't remember the last time we stayed up late watching a game and enjoyed it from start to finish. So we've got loads to get into, so I won't take up too much time. But yeah, just it's been a while since we've had that feeling going, going to bed at 4 five o'clock in the morning or mm. not going to sleep because you're buzzing off your tits because <laughs> don't get the been... whiskey <laughs> I guess I could... <laughs> admittedly I didn't I couldn't uh, I had to be at work I had to be turned up for work I couldn't get the whiskey but you know I was today with you in spirit Mick ready to sort of toast well I'm toasting you now so you know here's for last night <laughs> here's for that yeah all around I'm drinking a Cotswold uh, whiskey right here from uh, from from the British Isles from the UK, from England itself, rather than the Scotch, I'm assuming that you're both consuming right now. I have to say it's rather nice. Mick, I might have to get you a bottle for you to try out. It's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, yes to that. Yes, please. Oh, no worries. I'll get a send you away. So, <laughs> usual, you, all right, Phil, you can have one too. Uh, <laughs> white flag in the corner there. <laughs> um, cool. Just to give you guys an idea of the agenda for today's podcast, we have listened to some feedback to try and split this podcast over two episodes. So we do a review podcast of the game we've just seen, a reaction podcast, and then we do a preview podcast of the game, which will be the Washington Commanders coming up this weekend. So on this podcast, you can look out for the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy. There's going to be a lot to talk about. A lot of options there are for the damn right sexy, which we're going to get into. And then we're going to talk about around the NFC East, and how the teams did this weekend, and what it's going to look like moving into next week when all of the NACEs play each other together. So without any further ado, so without further ado, let's get into the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy. So I'm not going to go to the damn right sexy first, because <clears throat> it's not as straightforward as you would think it is. So I want to talk, I want to talk around the rest of the game first, guys, before we get to it. There were a number of moments that happened in the game, which we'll get to, that could have been up there for the illustrious damn right sexy. We need like a scepter, like they have on Good Morning Football, that we like send across to a player 
um, which their security team probably dispose of because they don't know where it's coming from and who it is. But anyway, maybe we need some kind of awards that we need to give away every week. Maybe like a diamond encrusted bikini for Dan when it's sexy or something like that, just to send across the... That. Can we can we can we, do fake, can we do fake diamonds? I mean, we yeah, don't. yeah, I definitely can't afford to do it. Real, it was. I think I didn't think didn't think, didn't think it through. I think Jalen's on more more than me can probably afford to do it himself. Wow, funny you say that. We're going to get onto Jalen's salary uh, a little bit later on this podcast. But before we go and talk about Jalen, I, I wanted to talk about let's go to the good first. And one of the contenders for the damn right sexy this week is. Our man, big play slay, baby. He had a game to remember for the Eagles. His best game in an Eagles jersey. There's no denying us. He could have had six interceptions, Phil, probably throughout the game, over the course of the game. He came up with two interceptions. He broke up the class on two PBUs as well. Um, and, of course, he delivered the interception ball to uh, to James Harden himself. But, Phil, over to you, man. Like, how excited are you for the Eagles secondary and the way in which Darius Slay has started this season? He's on fire. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. An unbelievable game from, from Slay. I think considering um, the last sort of season where there was obviously arguments that against lesser wide receivers, he was definitely big play, say, in command, controlling them, but up against sort of Metcalf and, other, other, and Tyreek Hill and so on and so forth, he, he sort of tended to sort of maybe get not torched, but just shone up a little bit, obviously, because he's he's not a young cornerback uh, at the moment anyway. So, mm-hmm. but so coming into this game, it was sort of like, I was generally a little bit fearful. It was like, he's going to absolutely be matched up against Justin Jefferson. But it was just, it was an unbelievable game from him. I mean, a bit of trade craft as well, especially with the first pass breakup. Definitely sort of, you know, a little bit of, like I said, trade craft, sort of sneaky little hand in there. Didn't get spotted by the officials. So, um, but that's that's how you win games is that that little sneaky little bit that you know the pushing the boundaries pushing the lines and yeah like I've watched it back I think about two and a half times now and and every single have you really no, I love that well, I, love I had that. to watch it back this morning and um, whilst I was really catching up with work obviously I had to watch it back just to sort of really enjoy it and then just before I come on now stuck on again while I was eating my dinner just to sort of see if I missed anything but each time you can you you know the, the second time we're watching it, I knew where when the plays were coming that that Slay was sort of nearly intercepting or intercepting the ball, and it's just. I mean, I'm not sure if it's just Kirk Cousins was just having we had an off game because he he definitely had a terrible game, um, but especially the one where where he intercepted it in the end zone after the second time Kirk Cousins throws towards Justin Jefferson in the same part of the end zone, and it's always a case of. <laughs> it's you just don't do it you just don't do it like Slay was clearly having a game and um, he turned around and he kind of went like just turned around and went really just, yeah, just you've done this again okay <laughs> um fair enough um and it, it took took great joy in it I mean uh, similarly we were all looking forward to well no we weren't looking forward to but all interested to see what um Justin Jefferson was going to have to say after the game but we guess we'll never know um if the yeah, did he did he did he say anything after the game? Or did he just quietly go over to his locker room and pack his bag and get the get the hell out of Philly as quick as he could after that poor okay. performance by Justin Jefferson? I mean, I'm not going to stop short of saying it was a poor performance from Justin Jefferson because I don't think it's necessarily his fault. You know, he he didn't choose for the ball to be thrown to him. Consecutive balls and and generally sort of the, the throws were sort of a little bit behind him. So and Slay was just on fire, just read them, read the path, read straight away and sort of cuts in front uh, three or four times throughout the game. Two of them 
did actually come off as uh, as interceptions. But but yeah, uh, Jennifer Slade being on Twitter as well, making us all laugh. Jen, shout out to Jen. Coming all coming with all those uh, uh, tweets about her husband, sort of basically being great on both sides of the ball, wide receiver and safety, because he's basically catching all Justin Jefferson's targets. Um, <laughs> Best wide receiver on the field yesterday, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Um, and then yeah, like you said, delivering the inception, one of the inception balls to James Harden. It's just, uh, you know, he's coming back. That, that is sort of a great performance to have as a second game in the season. So big things to come from big play this this season. I love that, and and it wasn't just Slay uh, in the in the secondary Mick that played well. Maddox came up with a with an interception as well. The 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 Eagles secondary had eight total passes disrupted, um, have had eight total passes disrupted over the first um, four games, and they've they've also had four interceptions total, which is you know what we want to see out of what we now believe is an elite secondary. Can't believe we're saying that the Eagles have an elite secondary. Wow. Yeah, turnovers, turnovers, man. That's what we've been looking for. Um, I don't know how many games last season we were like turnover numbers are far too low. You know, if you if you, if you want to st- <clears throat> put your stamp on a game, the the defense sometimes has to come up big, and that's exactly what they've done. Especially after giving up so many points to the Lions in Week One, and I mean, we look at that now with a bit of um, retrospect and that uh, and what they did to Washington. The weekend gone by, and you know, lines are no joke, so you know, watch out for those guys. Um, but it still wasn't acceptable that they put 35 on us in the first week. But we look yeah. past that now and we see what how the defense can react, and they reacted massively, massively. Um, you could say it was almost like a game of two halves, really. It was um, the offense absolutely obliterated the Vikings first half, and then the defense absolutely obliterated the second half. Um, but like just going back to the secondary, absolutely man in a match performance by Slay, only outdone by one other person on that field. Um, I felt kind of sorry for him because you know it was just such a massive game for Slay, it was like probably the best game he's ever played in an Eagles jersey. Yeah, that's why I said to start off the segment, yeah, it has to be the best. I don't know, I don't know if I that far as saying I, I feel sorry for him because. He he is getting he's getting applauded all around the league on on on, on social media and oh yeah he'll get it for, for shutting down Justin Jefferson alone I mean that oh, that, yeah. that alone is enough never mind having two ints on the day and he could like Phil said he could have had more so um, I'm getting ahead of myself huge, just a little bit huge game for a big play. oh sorry mate I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here but like the Eagles made a statement on national television to the whole league last night, right? You just touched on it there, the, the Lions game, right? We beat the Lions. They've, they've now gone and put big numbers up against Washington, right? We talk about the Vikings. We've just beaten the Vikings comfortably. They beat the Packers last week comfortably as well. So we've, we've, we've beaten teams who have beaten other teams on both occasions, you know, and, and people already are stepping up and starting to to notice the birds as serious contenders we'll get onto that later on in the podcast in detail uh, i don't know how comfortable i feel about being serious contenders <laughs> uh, but we'll let, we'll, without going any more into that because we'll touch on that later just 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 i mean what statements have been made oh just touch on that as well and uh, james harden love that philly connection with slay handing the ball over to, to harden you see his face when he came over he was absolutely buzzing 
and then uh, they they met each other in the um in the corridors after the game as well. I saw a couple of clips on that, so that's cool. Feeling the Philly love. Not only that, but there was another player um, who plays in the NFL at the moment who was there. Mick, did you spot that player? Why why he was there? I'm setting this up for you now. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm gonna have to. Travis Kelsey, man. Uh, Jay. Jason Kelsey's brother was in the. Was oh, in he was the, in the crowd. Yeah, yeah he was in. Yeah, uh, he was in the bar before the game as well. I think there's some social media pictures circling around. Sixty-two jersey on him. Uh, they've obviously been doing their podcast uh, between the pair of them. And if you're listening and you haven't listened to the Kelsey podcast, then go and give it a listen. It's it's good fun. If anything, just more excuses to listen to Jason Kelsey speak. As <laughs> the type of was out of business, man. No way. Stay away from that podcast. This is the only one you need to listen to. That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Let's move on to another part of the uh, of the good, um, of the good, bad, and the sexy. And let's go coaching. Let's go coaching. Let's go coaching on offense. And uh, and um, yeah, Phil, I'll throw this one over to you. Coaching on offense. How did you? How did you feel? Shane Steichen did calling the game yesterday. I mean, it felt <clears throat> perfect to me with a capital R. Yeah, it, it it was it was an incredible game. I think you don't even I don't even sort of really give the coach in much of a thought because you know he who shall be named later in the pod did such a great job that all the all the attention was obviously on him. And but the the play calling was was definitely spot on. I mean, I, I'm not sure how early on they realised whether the Vikings defense is set up so poorly, but there was so much room, you know, in the middle ground just behind just behind the defensive line and just took full advantage of that and nearly every time uh Hertz was scrambling or there was sort of looked like he might have to throw it away or anything like that there was just bang straight straight to someone in the middle of the in the middle of the backfield and they just sort of went up and down the field with ease and it feels like it's been so long since we've been able to see a, a team confidently just march up and down the field and and the play calling is going to have a great great part to that so you know we've got 486 um total yards and offense that's that's Incredible, and more the majority of that was passing, which is exactly what we want to see. We want to see a bit more, more of the comprehensive passing from 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 the quarterback play, and that's on the like you said on the on the national stage. It was a massive statement to have those kind of stats, that kind of performance, almost faultless. I think the only thing that was going to trip us up was the officials that last night. Um, with well, some had our own mistakes. I mean, it wasn't just the officials. There were some, I mean, there some maybe controversial calls because they don't get called that often in the league. We'll get on to those. But um, I, I, I think it would be remiss of us not to say that the Eagles need to be better disciplined moving forward. Yeah, I mean, consecutive um, penalties for, for Dickinson. Um, Ineligible field uh, person yeah, down the two, field. Two of the, two of the same, two of the same penalties in that regard. Mm. Uh, Lane Johnson got penalised as well for a false start. Um I'm going to put that down to rust at the moment, just from just from the way the game went. I think those kind of penalties are easily ironed out. It's not sort of Derek Barnett um, making stupid bonehead lining up incorrectly and oh god, all sorts. Um, <laughs> well, he's not, he's injured. I mean, I, I don't I don't. Sorry, Phil. What was his name? What would you call him? Derek fucking Barnett. There he is. No so longer on the field at the moment. And I don't take joy in, in, in injuries at, at all, but there is a certain element of at least I don't have to worry about him. But anyway, <laughs> that, that's, that's on a massive tangent. Let's, let's, let's not go there. Let's not go there. I have this image of like the Saturday night before the game of like Phil in bed, just think like thinking about Derek Barnett and the possible fuck-ups he can make like the following day and being restless in his sleep and 
Derek coming into a dream, creeping through the Bonehead Cafe. Is that your nightmare, Phil? Is this, is this like a reoccurring nightmare that you had over the last couple of years? Uh, the Bonehead Cafe and Derek Barnett creeping through, trying to get you? That's going to be dark now. I don't know where I've gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that I'm going to have nightmares now. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but it, it is one of those things where you, you go into a game and I think like when we've had the pods or we've reflected and the reason that we've lost a game or nearly lost a game is because of penalties. It does feel a little bit better that these kind of penalties, I think, are in part, you say it, it was our mistakes. I think generally, like I said, the officials were looking for it a lot more tonight, whether that's just tonight, whether that's the officiating direction this season. Um, but they were definitely more hotter on that particular penalty. And I think the Eagles just fell foul of that normally. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't get called as much. Um, so I'm not too worried about that side of things. Lane Johnson's an experienced guy. It just happens. Some, like, once is fine, twice is unforgivable. It didn't happen again. So I'm more than happy with that side of things. But yeah, just generally overall, the, the offense just absolutely carved them up. And whether, you know, like I said, whether that's because of the, the Vikings defensive setup or whether Steichen, either way, he he adapt you know it's either a good play call or he he was flexible and adapted to the defense that he was playing and and it worked the, an absolute treat yeah completely agree just on the Steichen piece um ever since he's taken over the play calling duties towards the end of last year feels like there's been a marked improvement in the offensive play calling and one of the concerns I think for all of us coming out of week one against against the Lions was the lack of spread to offensive weapons. Uh, that was tidied up yesterday. I mean, nearly a, nearly an equal spread to the top four receivers for for the Eagles. You um you feeling good about the the mix up of the coaches now? Obviously, we won't talk again, but on the offensive side of the ball, with Nick taking on that more uh, player personnel, overarching view of the game, and and disseminating those roles to Steichen and, and the improvements he's made, it's, it it seems like it's a good mix for the pair of them. I don't think you've left me with anything more to say <laughs> after that introduction to the question. I absolutely <laughs> answered everything. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 was absolutely superb, and I think he, he, like, he had one of the best games that he's, that he's ever called mm. um, since taking over PlayCon, like you said, midway through the last season. And, you know, all the focus was on Kevin O'Connell and what a great... Um, offensive coordinator he is at the Vikings after you know the offense that he ran at the Rams of course before joining the Vikings um, and you know Steichen absolutely outplayed him um, like if, if we're looking at offense versus offense like the, the Vikings didn't do much if at all especially in the first half there was like nothing going on there our first half offensively pretty much killed the game um, you know we racked up how many yards? I can't remember how many yards it was just in the first half alone. Um, we sort of and then we sort of took the foot off the gas in the second half a little bit. There were some plays that sort of got brought back, but we could have put more points on. It was a bit, I don't want to say disappointing that we didn't put any points up in the second half, but because it was such a good game and it was such enjoyable and it was such a fun offense as well, it's not as if we're playing just boring checkdowns, you know. Yeah, um, he, 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 he schemed he schemed the receivers open, and uh, it was honestly superb. I called a perfect game in my opinion. Apart yeah. from uh, well, apart from that, that screen maybe oh, maybe yeah. not not the best idea that got tipped for the interception towards um, the end of the game. There was a couple of screen, there was a couple of screens. There was another one where it was Jalen like literally turned around as soon as he got the ball through, and it was just so obvious. Yeah, um, I mean, but you you can't get every single play call correct. You know, of course it's, you can. Of course you can. it's just crazy. 
You sold yourself short there, mate. You'd lots to say. <laughs> on my toes, on my toes. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Yeah, just on that stat line to back up your point about the receiving yards, the Eagles held the Vikings to 221 receiving, yeah, pass receiving yards, uh, which is very low considering the caliber of quarterback that Kirk Cousins has been over the years. I know he, he's got his lovers and his haters, but um, he, he has been a very productive quarterback in this league. And a lot of people have tipped the Vikings to be uh, to make a run this year for the Super Bowl. Um, and certainly had them in the in the top 10 in the power rankings. Uh, I know others had them lower, but um, the Vikings are a good team. Make no doubt about it. You know, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, even Irv Smith Jr., tight end, uh, and, and then Kirk Cousins throwing the ball. I, at the start of the season, had you asked most Eagles fans who they would rather have a quarterback, would it be Jalen Hurts or Kirk Cousins? I reckon most people would have said Kirk Cousins. Um, I wouldn't have, but I reckon a lot of people would have done, or would have at least been 50-50 or, or, or close, for sure. You, you, and, missed, uh, you missed out uh, one of the Vikings' most potent offensive weapons there, Liam. I did, I did. Um, so let's take a moment to think about our, our long-lost brother, Jalen Rager. <laughs> Fuck him, man. Did you hear the, the booze coming from the stands every time he was on the field, any time he was... <laughs> Returning a punt, it was crazy. Greg um, Rosenthal was on the, the oh, that, Channel yeah. 5 commentary and he was giving the Eagles fans a bit of shit saying, you know, lay off Rager a wee bit there. But, well, nah, I, I saw on Twitter, nah. he, said, he, said, <laughs> he said on Twitter it was a bit unnecessary. Uh, and I think someone responded saying, yeah, the extra G in your name is unnecessary, Greg. That made me chuckle a lot. I think that was Colleen's husband, wasn't it? Oh, was it really brilliant? Yes, <laughs> I think yes. there's probably a, a, a private sort of, like, you know, they obviously get on. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, she goes on a lot, doesn't she, ATMs? But, I mean, you know you're having a bad, bad, bad day when your leading defence-splitting running back has the same amount of rushing yards as a reject that you signed from the team that you're playing. And, and Jalen Rager had that one um, jet sweep Cats is obviously a rush going for 17 yards down the field. And I think that was the only brief moment where we kind of went, Oh, now you play. Um, now you know. <laughs> you um, but that was it for the whole night. Um, a couple of uh, returns for like a yard, got swallowed up, a couple of fair catches. Um, but to get the second, for a while he had this, I know he had the same amount of rushing attempt, uh, rushing yards as Dalvin Cook for the yeah. whole game. And yeah. I don't know what's worse. Is that bad on Rager or is that bad on Cook? Um, was that bad on anyone? It's just absolutely bad on the Vikings. <laughs> I mean, it's good on the the Philadelphia on defense. We only gave up two hundred eighty-three <laughs> yards total. Mm. Two hundred eighty-three yards total on the ground and through the air. Um, and just with that in mind, let's move on to the next part of the game, and that's the defense. Um, Phil, um, as conductor of the J- of the Jonathan Gannon train, I'll let you take it away. <laughs> There is, there is, there is no Jonathan Gannon train. The tongue is firmly in my cheek when I say it. I know, <laughs> I know. I said I reckon Jonathan Gannon is going to have a better year this year, and I think he's a lot better than people are worried about. Um, didn't have a great overall game, giving up thirty odd points to the Lions. Um, but he, you know, he's come back. He, he's he's only allowed seven points. I think you have to give him some credit if you're going to give him the shtick when they concede 35, 35 points to. Um, to Detroit, um, you have to then give them some credit, even they only give up seven to far superior on paper, at least. Um, especially like you said, a team that smashed Green Bay to then hold them to seven points. And 
convincingly hold them to seven points. The run, the run defense was absolutely banging. The 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 pass defense, as we know, a big play Slay and Maddox getting intercepts interceptions throughout the game or in the second half. Um, it's hard to fault it, and I know it, like it's, it's it's one of those things where when when the when you don't like the defensive coordinator, you you big up the players, you say, oh, the players, the defense was was amazing, but the defensive coordinator has something to do with that. Um, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. There was still, there's still a lot of improvement that needs to be done there. And, and having Hassan Reddick encouraged far too much, not blitzing nearly enough. Um, I think you, I'm, 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 I'm on the fence. I'm on the train fence, if that's a thing. No, it's not a thing, is it? Um, <laughs> but there is a chat. It was, it was kind of nice in the group WhatsApp t- uh, chat to, to sort of make poke a bit of fun. I was, I was only being... Um, semi-serious about saying Gannon what to everyone every time people praise the defense I was like you know who's causing that it's Gannon like come on I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to stoke up a bit of bit of love for the defensive coordinator who's hopefully going to help us win a Super Bowl this season oh here we go that's the first first time I've heard it I was waiting when that word was going to get dropped into the uh into the conversation first you heard it here first folks Jonathan Gallon is going to help the Eagles win a Super Bowl by Phil the Fence Mount Stephen. <laughs> I'd what? love, I'd, I'd love that for that to be true, but I just, I just think that with with the amount, with the players, like I said before, with the players that he's been given, he will have a hand hand in getting those players in. And this was the second game of the season, running the defense. Hopefully, how he wants to, and I, and if we if we do manage to hold Washington to to single digits again, then I think that will really have to sort of reiterate where Gannon actually is now that he's got the personnel that he wants um, there'll be a lot of people out there who also will say terrible game against the Lions last year we've seen a number of terrible games this is one good game so far and that's to be expected with the defensive personnel we have not to yeah. be not not to you know be negative but just to you know be play devil's advocate for a second um you know, I I I think it's I think personally it's too early to jump on your Gannon train. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see what stops. It's it's gonna it's gonna visit on the way, and um, if I can afford a ticket, um, maybe I'll maybe I'll jump. Price on. is going up by the daily, and so just you yeah, want to buy your ticket. Yeah, some VIP uh, seats if we. Uh, uh, I can get you an early bird discount. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can make up a graphic where like just the stops of the the games this season and. But the thing is to be, yeah, the the thing is like with same with Liam last season with the Hertz train, um, he was the first guy to be on it. He was there banging that drum. And I think in order to be the guy that told you so, you have to be on the bandwagon early. And I think I'm just, I'm taking the risk and I'm hoping that I'm I'm right. Um, I'm loving this new feel, this new risky feel. I'm loving it. (laughs) All right, good stuff. Um, Cool. So I won't, won't touch on the defense any more than that um, because I want to touch on something on the on the bad side of the ball in a second. Let's just talk about the receivers uh, quickly. Not too long because we've already talked about the ball being sprayed around, but there was a lot of talk in the media about uh, Devontae Smith not getting, any, not getting any catches or not getting any receptions, I should say. He was targeted four times in game one against the Lions. And they went to him straight off the bat, didn't they? You know, first play of the game. And they went to him again and again and again and again. He had seven uh, targets. He had seven receptions for 80 yards. A lot of them like uh, crossing routes, snapping it over the middle. Uh, we'll talk about Jalen in a bit. And, you know, the heat map of where all these catches were was eye-openingly incredible for me, to be honest. 
compared to what we've seen in the past. Uh, Devontae Smith, you said it fell on the last podcast. You know, he's not worried. You know, he's not worried. He, he knows he's going to get, it's going to come to him. And, and Mick Hurts, Hurts was always going to get in the ball. And Sirianni was always going to get in the ball um, because that's just what they like. They're like at the Eagles, right? They're, they're a family, they're close-knit, they're all part of the same wanton drive. And he is really, really talented uh, wide receiver. And it was, it was a reminder, Mick, um, to the rest of the league that don't you sleep on Slim Reaper, baby. Yeah, Smitty's too good to have another game like we saw um, versus Detroit week one. So we sort of knew um, he was going to be more involved in this game um, to what extent it was sort of up in the air. But um, they made the statement straight away. Like I said, they came out, first pass straight to Devontae, get his hands on the ball, um, get an easy completion and, you know, get his numbers rolling. And it just went on from there, from strength to strength. Like I said, Shane Steichen um, had a great game um, play calling and, you know, he, he made sure he brought all the weapons into play during this. Um, for the Vikings playing a lot of soft coverage as well, they were sort of standing off um, by receivers for quite a lot of the game. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure why or what they were trying to achieve, really. Um, looking at the heat map, like you were talking before, it seemed like Jalen had thrown to his left quite a bit during that game. So it was possibly, you know, they were trying to say to Jalen, look, you're going to try and beat us with your arm. And Jalen said, okay. Um, so <laughs> it, it was good in the way, that, I won't go on too much about Jalen. I know um, you've probably got about three pages of <laughs> spiel to go on about him. So I'll leave that, yep, I'll leave that to you. Um, but I was I was just really happy that um, it was, we were getting the spread offense that, we, that we've been looking for, you know, like just not the automatic T.J. Brown. And whilst that's good, I mean, what does it matter to me how many how many yards a, a single receiver really gets? If we get the dub and the, the yards are up, then it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but it's, it's, it's a good sign of progression. It's an amazing sign of progression. I'll tell you someone who does care about it, and that's, that's my uh, fiancé, Katie Lamb, who asked a question in preseason, what are the chances of the Eagles having 3,000-yard receivers uh, for the Birds uh, this year? And I just did some quick maths while you were talking there, Mick. Uh, Dallas Goddard and A.G. Brown are both tracking comfortably over 1,000 yards if you extrapolate their trajectory over two over two games. Um, and Smitty's uh, about 700, but I, I think that will go up uh, considering one of those games he had, he had no targets and receptions. It was really good to see uh, Quez Watkins get involved. Uh, not least because I, I called it on the last podcast that he was going to have a flex, a bit of a splash. Didn't get two though, did he? Uh, he didn't get two. And actually, I look I look back and um, it was game and the predictions. It was game well I had for two, not uh, uh, Watkins. But I mentioned on the podcast that uh, Watkins was going to have a, a more of an impact in the game, and he had exactly the impact that I was expecting him to have. And I expect him to have throughout the rest of the season. He's a deep ball threat. There's no denying it. Um, AJ Brown can be that person as well, um, but he's more medium to deep um, and, and everything in between, to be honest with you. Uh, but Watkins is blown blown coverage, sending the ball. And um, yeah, okay, look, before we get on to um, the, the damn right sexy, let's uh, move over and talk about some of the things that the Eagles are going to need to improve on. Because while we are a positive podcast, um, we realize that there are always elements to improve on. And while there isn't as many this week as there was last week or the week before, there are still some that um, I think it's fairly obvious Eagles need to work on. 
The first is penalties. You know, the Eagles are going to have to be more disciplined. Uh, you know, fundamentals is a big part of Nick Sirianni's ethos and his strategy and the way he likes to play. Do the basics right and then build from there. And the Eagles did not do that. Um, they did lots of good stuff from fundamentally, but in terms of discipline, they were not disciplined against the Vikings. Now, look, in years gone by, last year and the year before, and the year before that, the Eagles have had multiple games where they've had penalties totaling way over the 60 yards they had totaled yesterday. But it was worrying. And in other games and other situations where we weren't as dominant, that could have a, uh, you know, a big impact on the game. But I'm not sure it's going to be something that you guys are going to have to worry about moving forward. But it's certainly something that Sirianni is going to be making sure that they, they talk about and they get right during this week. And I'll just talk about some. I know we touched on it earlier on. And Phil, you said rust. So don't worry, guys. Uh, Phil has your trust because it's just rust. And uh, yeah, so there were some real explosive plays which were um, blown off the board. One of them uh, on watchback that um, really stood out to me was the Gainwell catch. Uh, it was early in the game and um, it was 32 yards. I think it might have been the second or third. It was certainly the first five plays. Gainwell, a 32-yard catch scratched off um, for an illegible uh, player down the field. And that was a big, big play that set them back. And in another, in another game, you know, that could have led to a, a three and out and a completely different game. Uh, however, we know that wasn't the case because Jalen came up clutch in nearly every single situation where he needed to. But the penalties put him in that situation, so there was risk there because of it. He wasn't the only eligible uh, downfield we talked about earlier. Dickerson had two of them. Isaac Sayamala had one of them. Mylada had a false start and, and holding penalty, and, and Lane had a false start um, penalty as well. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Lane Johnson, Isaac Sayamala, and, and Jordan Mylada here. Like, you know, these are not inexperienced players. They are very experienced players working in one of the best O-lines, if not the best O-line in the league. So um, I don't think it's anything to worry about, but when we're doing the good, the bad, and damn right sexy, it'll be remiss of us not to pick up on that and, and look out for it next week to, to, to make sure there is some improvement. Special teams, uh, second part of the bad. And, and Mick, I just want to bring you in on this one. Uh, it's been an issue for the Eagles for a long time now. Doesn't seem to really be getting any better, save maybe some security in catching the ball. Yeah, it's it's just one of those bugbears. It's um where we do, we were so dominant, and it was so obvious how, how dominant we were um through the, the the other two facets of the game, being offense and defense, and where we just dialed it up on both, and then wah, 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 on the special teams, it was um quite disappointed like I mean you don't expect like a, a return to the house read to the house um I say that anymore every week yeah Kobe to the house um yep. but Kobe didn't get anywhere near the house um nor did Watkins nor did Watkins it's just I, I just I just don't think uh, Michael Clay had a particularly great game there was also um the dog pile on Kobe at one point um where he, he received the punt and uh, just Viking players just uh, just annihilated them. Um, mm. I think they're still picking Vikings players off them just now, <laughs> as, we, as we speak. But um, no, not a great day for special teams, and it, it was all sort of summed up with the with the blocked field field goal. Um, What's worked for me, Meg, just on that point. Oh, sorry, Phil, you might be going to say the same thing mm, as I am, but probably, just, probably just, just just quickly, <laughs> um, just quickly, like every time an Eagles punt returner 
or kick returner. Punt returners obviously more often because of the, the lack of the, the the lack of distance in between or the, the lesser distance in between it. It feels like the Eagles are incapable of blocking any of the opposition special teams players. So anytime an Eagles player catches the ball, there's like six or five opposition players in front of them. Like for me, the issue isn't the punt return specialists who are catching the ball. It's the inability of the um, rest of the special teams to block the players to give them that chance. Phil, was that similar to what Yeah, you funny said? enough, actually, that was what, what I said last night. I said it's like yeah. um, it's like trying to catch water in a sieve, um, mm-hmm. trying to catch Vikings players to stop them getting through to the, the, the returner. Um, and I think I did say that, admittedly, to give Rager a smidgen of, um, of, of defence is that throughout his entire time returning, I think a lot of, lot of it has to be put down to the fact that he just by the time he'd cut, caught the ball and got his feet set um there was just about 15 <laughs> obviously not 15 players but you know it feels feels like there's just that the entire team is 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 breathing down his neck admittedly a lot of you know we were sort of saying well the other half of that is the fact that he wasn't able to get the ball and go as quickly as he as, we, as we'd like him to well yeah um, he moved like a robot once he caught it yeah, and 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 the difference with with Kobe is that when he gets the ball, it looks like he's ready. He's yeah. he's got an idea where he wants to go. So you can kind of put a little bit more this time on the the rest of the special teams. Is that it's just almost just like are they they forgetting that they've got to do something? <laughs> They're already sort of running down blocking, but um, all the teams already run past them. So it's it's how definitely... important, Phil? How important do you feel special teams are? to potentially going on a deep playoff run slash um you know getting getting to the Super Bowl and maybe not winning the Super Bowl but getting to the Super Bowl how important and, and the special team obviously encapsulates the kicker and the holder and you know and, and the punter as well as the the people who are um catching and defending and blocking etc on, on on the field we've seen a lot of teams in the in the last couple of years have good special team team good special team teams that's really difficult to say um like the Bengals last year with McPherson for example um you know being well, well the, the Chicago um Green Bay game last year wasn't it towards mm-hmm. the end of last year they had about was it three um special teams touchdowns I think and they still lost the game um yeah. so you can make the argument that ultimately it won't it won't win or lose you the game but it can um mm possibly severely inhibit your ability to be comfortable in the game. I mean, if you want to take the fact that teams start to know that the Eagles just cannot return and you're going to get immediate pressure on the returner, that impacts how you're going to punt the ball because you're obviously not going to be trying to launch out the out the back of the end zone. You're going to be you're going to be sort of launching it high and as and as close yeah, to, to it. Yeah, you're just going to pit you know you can pin them you're more likely to pin the back and that gives you great um defensive starting field field position. Um and, and and that is going to inhibit you. And I think it's highlighted more with the fact that the rest of the team seems to be tied up everywhere you look, defense and offense. You, you're looking at a team that's on paper was was spectacular last night. They put that on the field for the world to see. Um, so I think what I'm trying to say is that it, it's not a massive concern, but it's sort of like it's there seems to be some easy easy fixes there and hopefully um play gets that that sorted out because they've got the pet the personnel now to to be able to conduct themselves on special teams and and and, and play better i just i think i, I need wonder, to watch a few more of them back just to see exactly yeah. what the rest of the team are doing because it's not the part that you look at you always you might your eyes immediately go to the returner and you're like is he going to catch it is he not um but you're never looking at the rest of the team as they're sort of 
blocking the 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 team. Well, yeah, yeah, you need yeah. the twenty two. You don't really yeah. see it either with the camera angles, right? It, you need the coaches film. I think I might, I might do that actually when I get a spare moment. Like I'm gonna get a spare moment to watch coach. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to the baby a moment. I'm going to watch coaches film. Uh, what? <laughs> Mate, I think that some of it is to do with how Harry Roseman's. I said like Jonathan Ross again. I, I don't have a. I don't have a, a speech impediment or anything. Um, Harry Roseman's um, building of the team, the the roster. Sorry, if you will, and his focus and his admission that when they signed Rager, they signed someone for a role rather than who the best player was on the board. Do you think there's an element of Howie building the best possible roster in terms of talent? Ergo, less of an emphasis then is on special teams roles that are going to be involved in, in, in the game. Just a thought. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, regarding special teams, you don't really seek out to draft people on their ability on special teams. It's, it's a more, almost an afterthought, I think. Like, added value, right? We, to a player we, to yeah, it. added value. We kept... Some people on our roster far too long because of their contributions to special teams. JJ Arcega Whiteside being yeah. the, the one that comes immediately to mind. Um, but I mean, special teams can be huge. Um, even, even just looking back to week one when uh, the Lions sprung an a onside kick on us, it was, well, it was a surprise to me. I didn't expect it. Um, but <laughs> Zach McPherson was ready for it. And you know he and he covered it and he ended up with the the um, NFC Player of the Week um, plaudits because of it. Um, so I mean that's that's a positive to be to be positive about, about our special teams that they have to be ready for such things. And you know the, the Vikings made a good play on that blocked field goal. Um, it, it it absolutely can turn a game on its head, um, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's sort of a neglected front of you know offense, defense, special teams. It's sort of like an it has to be an afterthought. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely not the most important, but um, it can't be it, it can't be neglected. We always have to be ready and prepared for any sort of situation that that, that might come up. And there was maybe just a bit of lack of focus on on that particular play by the Vikings. And if it wasn't for um, the interception in the red zone. Um, by our cornerbacks, I think it was the, the Maddox pick, I think it was. Um, the Vikings would have possibly been back in the game with, with some mm. time left on the clock to play. So it's um, it, it sort of came to, you know, the, the defence to bail out the special teams on that occasion. So you need to watch out for that. Yeah, there was the block field goal recovery from Sipos as well. Um, well, well done too much. Well done. Well done, uh, Sipos. You've contributed well to uh, the special teams for maybe the second time in your career with the Eagles so far. Haven't been that enamoured with him um, so far. He didn't have a no, bad. Uh, me neither. Um, I think the, there must be a better partner right there, to be honest. Than anyway, that's probably far too much time and air given to special teams on this podcast. But Most we've ever to... spoken about special teams. <laughs> yeah, we're... we're, uh, we're um... Yeah, we're maturing as a podcast, you know, in our knowledge of <laughs> the different facets of the game. Maybe I don't know. All right, there's one more thing on the on the bad that I want to talk about, and that was the pass rush. Uh, it wasn't on your initial uh, notes, um, Mick, but it's it's something I added because it's something that it just became fairly prevalent to me throughout the game, and it was prevalent last week. And we've spoken about the blitzing. I feel like towards the end of the game, Gannon did he deflects a little bit. He 
he he started to to blitz more. But certainly in the start of the game, when the Vikings came back, when we were 14 and 0 up and the Vikings, they basically walked down the field and scored. Like it was like threading a knife through butter um to get their first score. And we obviously we know they didn't they didn't score again for the rest of the game, which is which is incredible when you think about how early it is they scored in the game. And big kudos to the defense on that. But there is a concern still for me about the Eagles' ability to get to the quarterback and to rush the passer. Because even when it feels like not when they're even in full blitz, but when they're like, you can tell a difference when a team is trying to get to the quarterback and when they're not even on a non-blitz. You can tell a difference um, pretty starkly. And even on the ones where it looked like they were trying to bowl, rush and, you know, twist and swim and whatever you want to call it to get to the quarterback. We still weren't there by a half a step or a step or even a step and a half in some cases. And there's a little bit of a concern for me that maybe we've overhyped the defensive line of, the Eagles a little bit preseason as to how good they are. You know, Graham is old. Um, um, Fletcher Clox is old. You know, Hargrave isn't young. Uh, Sweat, sure. Barnett's not there now. And Hassan Reddick hasn't been blitzing as much as or rushing the quarterback as much as he should he should be, in my opinion. Sweat is doing a far more often. I think there was only two occasions where he wasn't rushing the where he wasn't rushing the, the um, quarterback, and he drop back into um, pass protection, but um, Reddick did it a few times, uh, I think at least five times in the game. And that's a bit of a concern for me still. I'm hoping that the success that Gannon had and the team had rushing the quarterback and blitzing towards the end of the game, it didn't result in loads of sacks, but it resulted in in lots of bad throws by Kirk Cousins. I'm hoping that's going to happen more and more. And I just think from my perspective, even, even what we saw it's still a concern for me. I don't know, Phil, is it, is it a concern for you? Um, if you look at the whole team, and there's very little negatives, obviously, but again, the defensive line for me, getting to the quarterback is certainly one of them. Yeah, it's, it's certainly more exciting when you've got a massive blitz on the quarterback and he gets absolutely pounded six feet into the ground. But, you know, I think when you look at the teams like the Lions and they just did it relentlessly against us. And I'm not quite sure how they, how they did against uh, Washington last weekend in terms of how often they blitzed again that time, but that's their identity is just basically foot, foot to the floor, pedal to the metal, sort of just going for it and just see what happens more likely than not. It tends to work, but then you can also get massively beaten on, on some plays when, if you do all the time and that's what you then become expecting. Um, he did it a lot. I think there was a, there was a point where I, I mentioned that I said, now is the time to put the pressure on him because they're, they're desperate to sort of try They're running out of time. So they're going to get more desperate. You're going to have to start doing bigger, more riskier throws. Now is the time to really do it. And he did, excuse me, step up in that regard. But generally, I think we just like to see it mixed up a little bit more like a random blitz, just like full pelt towards someone like Kirk Cousins, who is renowned for getting, sort of thrown off his game when he, he gets put under too much pressure. And I think that was an obvious win, which Gunner maybe didn't take advantage of. Maybe he's just too reluctant to do it. Maybe that's just not his style. Maybe he, like last season, we just didn't want to get beaten on the big plays. And and whilst that's not exciting, that did help us to sort of stay in many games last season, which if we had this off offence last season, probably would have had a hell of a lot more chance of winning those games. So it's not an entirely bad defensive scheme it's just not an exciting one and you know if it doesn't go well it looks drab boring and uninspiring and that looks like a main cause of concern so 
Um, I think, yeah, definitely the sacks need to improve. And in a game where you've got Kirk Cousins, he's not the most mobile guy. And next week will be the exciting acid test to see, to watch Wentz get folded, hopefully, many an occasion. You love an acid test, don't you? <laughs> No, it's my, fa- my favourite cliche, yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that. All right, guys, this is awesome. We're going to take a quick 60-second break, and then we're going to come back with the damn right sexy. This podcast is sponsored by Passion Avenue, London's premier Philadelphia sports bar. It is the number one location to watch Eagles games and NFL football this season. I can guarantee you that because I've been there myself a number of times. Not only that, but we are also due to be hosting some kick-ass watch parties for Eagles games during the season. Stay tuned for more on that. But if you are a member of the British and Irish Eagles, you will also receive 20% off your food and drink once a month at Passion's London locations in Fitzrovia, Waterloo and Stratford. You can sign up via our website www.british-eagles.com co.uk don't wait till the season begins though to take a trip because passion serves up authentic american eats such as the classic philly cheesesteaks buffalo wings and much much more follow us both on twitter at british eagles and at passion avenue you can also find passion on instagram and tiktok if you are looking for an excuse to wear your eagles jersey before the season kicks off then hit them up go birds Welcome back to the podcast, and it's my favorite time of the podcast, and that is the damn right sexy. And you guys all know, listening in, and I'm a big Jalen fan. I've been I've been saying he's the guy for for a long time now. And um, to the disagreement of others, you know, not necessarily in this podcast, maybe tempered views on this podcast compared to my over exuberance and excitement about Jalen and the season. And um, yeah, that ain't going to change now. Jalen Hurts is the damn right sexy of this podcast. And he's the damn right sexy as a player rather than a play because there are so many things to look at from Jalen's performance against the Vikings that gets me all excited. Listen to this, guys. All right. Jalen Hurts was 26 of 31 passing, 83% completion. 333 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Now, you can talk about what you want about there only being one passing touchdown so far from Jalen this, this season. Sorry, That doesn't matter when you've got six rushing touchdowns in the team around you, and it doesn't matter when you're putting your team in a place to score those touchdowns. Jalen doesn't care what his number is of, of passing touchdowns, but I tell you what, he is absolutely buzzing for the passing completion percentage that, that has gone up. So far this year in the first two games, Jalen is averaging 69.83, so 70% passing percentage, which is 7 or 8% up from last year. He's made market improvements across, across his passing game. He's averaging 288 yards per game passing so far. And not only that, but he's averaging 73 yards on the ground as well. And I can see Phil and Mick topping their glasses up because they know I'm going to go for a while about this. Let's go, Jalen. All right. Saddle yourself in, folks. Saddle yourself in. Um, Let me just extrapolate some of those figures over the course of the season. Um, If Jalen keeps going on the same trajectory, that would mean that Jalen has 4,896 passing yards, nearly 5,000 passing yards this year, something that no Eagles fan thought he was capable of 
last season or even in the preseason this year. He would also be at 1,241 rushing yards. That would put him at over 6,000 all-purpose yards. That is MVP numbers. Do not get me wrong, folks. And I know we're only two games into the season, but you would be mad if you did not admit that Jalen has shown market improvements in every single facet of his game so far. We talked about that earlier. He is spreading the ball across receivers. He didn't just focus on A.J. Brown like he did in week one. It was a, a, a pretty equal spread across all receivers this weekend just gone by. Not only that, he's being divisive, decisive, and not divisive. He's being decisive. He used to be divisive. Now he's being decisive. Um, and he's being accurate, as we talked about with his, with his passing percentages. Didn't have an incompletion until the end of the second quarter. Think about that. I remember he went at least 10 for 10 at the start um, of the game, and his Q QBR rating was through the absolute roof. He is the guy. He is the guy for the Eagles. He is going to take us into a deep playoff run. I have no doubt about it. But look, they're all stats, and people can say, you know, you can tailor stats to whatever way you want. Let's look at some of the plays that Jalen did in the game. Um, but before that, Jalen's heat map. Jalen's heat map was predominantly to the left-hand side of the field and down the middle. The, 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 the least of his completions were on the right side of the field. Everyone has been saying Jalen can only break out of the pocket after one, maybe two progressions, and then swivel to the right and either run the ball or throw it to the right. That's not what he did against the Vikings. He threw predominantly to the left and over the middle on multiple occasions, and that is really exciting for us to see as he continues to develop as a quarterback. So let's look at some of these plays um, that Jalen did on, on, on the game against the Vikings. So we talked about heat map. One of the best plays I think Jalen had in the entire game was um, he was he was third and three at a 22-yard line. Jalen broke out of the pocket and had Pascal on the right-hand side. Now, he could have thrown to Pascal, and Pascal may have just been short of the line to gain, which would have meant it was a fourth and out unless they, they went for it on fourth. Um, he didn't. He waited. He fake passed, allowed the rusher to come to him even further, and then passed the ball to Pascal, who took it past the line to gain and converted a really, really important third down for the Birds. Now, obviously, we all know the biggest play of the game, and that was Jalen's big splash to Quez Watkins. Talk to me about Jalen Hurts' arm. He threw that ball 56 yards in the air, folks. And he turned around and he just put his, he crossed his arms and just looked as if to say, you guys think I can't do that? I can do that as well. I can do that as well. Jalen came to play yesterday and to prove all of his doubt is wrong. In my opinion, that wasn't the best play of the game either. So we talked about the, the fake and the fake passing in the past, the big bomb to, to, um, to Quez Watkins, excuse me. There was another play in the game where Jalen had three progressions that he went through. He broke out of the pocket to the left-hand side. He went through progression one, wasn't there. Progression two, wasn't there. And then he looked downfield and he had, I can't remember who he had now, but I think it was Smith um, or A.J. Brown, breaking across the plane to catch it 40 yards in the air. What was important about this play? Jalen broke across to the left of the field, out of the pocket, he threw the ball across his body to the left and threw a dime, which was over 40 yards, going through three progressions. Thanks, Dan Oleski, for that um, little uh, nugget on Twitter as I was reading earlier on today. 
that wasn't, in my opinion, the best play that Jalen made. Yes, he made incredible moves and plays with his arm, and they were exceptional and all we wanted to see. But the best play, in my opinion, came when Jalen was rushing the football. Now, we all know Jalen is a premier, if not the best, rushing quarterback in the league. I know Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson can also make a claim to that mantle, that title, if you will. Jalen Hurts had two rushing touchdowns. What was important on these two rushing touchdowns? He was tackled a long way before he got to the end zone. The first rushing touchdown, he was tackled on the three-yard line, and he brought the ball through and over into the end zone. If that wasn't impressive enough, Jalen, for his second rushing touchdown, was 32 yards away from the end zone. 32 yards, folks. He broke around to the right. He was tackled on the six-yard line. The six-yard line. He broke through some tackles. He carried some players with him, and he Superman dived into the end zone for his second touchdown of the game. I was watching that replay with Katie, my fiance, earlier on before we came on this podcast, and she literally just blurred out, wow, as she was watching that. And if, if that doesn't show you the, the strength and desire of the man, how calm and collected he is, where he knows where he is in the field, talk about his passing, talk about his rushing. This is a dual threat quarterback who has a chance, if he continues to play like he's playing, of being an MVP candidate this season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And who knows what he could do, folks. I'm excited to see it. Mick, thoughts? You sound excited about it, I think. Your um, Jalen Hurts jersey must be looking like a painter's radio after the weekend. (laughs) Um, Good weekend for Bama quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, after, after what two had done to the Ravens on, on Sunday, what, what a game that was as well. Uh, Jalen Hurts' absolute signature win. Um, the best he's ever played in an Eagles jersey, probably the best he's played in his entire career. And, he's, yeah. and, you know, he was out there, he, he had intent to do such a thing. Um, he had the crowd behind him, it's the home opener of the season, of course. Um, everything aligned for Jalen. We've been talking about it all off-season, how um, we've made the right moves around him to succeed. And what, what does he do? He take, he's taken that opportunity and he's shown, in, he's shown everyone what, what it is he, he can do now. And, you know, he doesn't... He's not showing the weakness anymore. You know, the weakness was the throws over the middle, the throws to the left, the getting through progressions. And he showed last night he can do all of those. Yeah. So, you know, um, opposing defensive coordinators have got a headache on their hands if they think that they can scheme against Jalen so easily. Now, with the off-season improvements that he's made, the roster improvements that the Eagles have made as a whole, um, the play calling, that seems to be a lot better as well. Um, there's just improvement across the board, not just Jalen, but everything around them to help him succeed. And it's absolutely fantastic win for him. I, c- I couldn't be happier. It's... Um, for Jalen, I think he, he really enjoyed that win. You could, you could really tell. Um, he said, you know, we took the foot off the gas in the second half and maybe he left a couple of plays on the field that were taken back from flags. That one that you'd mentioned that um uh he rolled out left and, and he hit um Watkins. That was it pulled was back Watkins. for a, that was pulled back for a for a flag. Yeah. Um, which was unfortunate, but you know, I'm sure Jalen will, will want those back because that's the kind of guy that he is. He's 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 always looking to improve. He's not happy at the end of the day with um, 
his performance, he's, he's always striving for perfection. And that's what I love most about Jalen. He's that leader on the field as well. And he's got that presence. Absolutely wonderful performance. You can see the emotion, Phil. Uh, you must have seen some of the um, videos on, on Twitter where Jalen just screams, let's go down the middle. And, you know, he always looks like he's really amped up when he runs into the tunnel and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's waving his arms and he's getting the crowd pumping and he goes and sees people and gives them fist pumps and stuff. But it felt different yesterday. It felt like this really mattered to Jalen Hurts. And as much as we know he's calm, cool, collected, he's got a very good media personality. He's very good at um, dodging questions. He's very confident in himself. That's all well and good, but at the end of the day, eventually you have to prove that you are making that improvement and that you are getting better as a player and that the hype is real about you. And he did all of that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, first off, I just want to touch on the fact that if, if our listeners are sort of sat there wondering how we managed to seamlessly edit this podcast, so it just seems like you know, <laughs> no time is missed whatsoever. Um, it's, it's all a lie. You just, you just forget now. We, me and Mick just wait for a perfectly timed Jalen Hurts rant, and we get all our business done <laughs> in a fell swoop, top up our drinks, evacuate the systems. I don't know, go make dinner, oh, play with the dog, all sorts, and then come back. And, and bless his art, he's still going. Uh, no, that was great. That was fantastic. That was a fantastic um, roundup. I don't know if you can call it a roundup, more like download. What, monologue? Uh, well, maybe a roundup. To, to, and we'll post it on our social media. Maybe we need to get that one on video, yeah. Just maybe to get like um, uh, Ecstasy of Gold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the background. Um, no, but to, to, to touch on your actual question, sorry. I think the, the one thing that stood out for me um, was the fact that it didn't matter what was happening. So you say a couple of players got called back for penalties, a couple of penalties knocked us back a few yards. It just felt like after the first couple of drives, it's like, it doesn't matter, Jalen will get that back. You didn't know how it was going to happen. You didn't know where it was going to happen, but you just felt like the throwing was on point. So you knew 18 yards, no problem. He'll find an 18-yard pickup. Um, middle of the middle of the field or we'll go down the field to, to Quez Watkins for 50-odd yards um, or run it himself. Um, Through the air as well. It's really important to note that it was a 53-yard completion, but it was 56 through the air. Because a lot of times people will say, oh, yeah, Jalen made a 60-yard uh, completion, but you maybe 20, 25 yards of that is yards after the catch. It was longer through the air than the completion was, and I think that's really important for people to, yeah. to note because of the questions about his arm. Yeah, you often sit there going, oh, it was a 75-yard touchdown. It's like, well, it was a 20-yard throw. And yeah. there was no one there to stop him, so he just ran <laughs> 50 yards. Um if you're that kind of cynical person, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I do think that, and I don't think it's. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not. It's not an, an invalid point. It's just one of those things where I know what you're trying to say, and it's a case of this is this was all Jalen. This wasn't um, a, a great, a great time pass that then ended up breaking coverage and going for God knows how many yards. This was like a perfectly designed play for when the when the coverage was broken and Quez was just away, and it was just like bang, no hesitation, and and it's gone. But um, just to just to arc back a little bit, it was more of a case of the the running from to touch, still give the running game its due, like you said. Yeah. Um, there was very few plays made on the fly. A lot of most of the runs were design runs, and um, that was the other factor. Was that like you know against the lines, it's a case of the, the the endless blitzes. He just had to constantly think on his feet, and he did well there. This time, it was a case of less of a less of a risk of the blitz and less of a time less of a panic panicked approach to sort of 
dealing with the defense. He had the time to sort of pick his throws out. He had time to um, to execute the runs, and and that, like you said, that that rushing touchdown was just just phenomenal. I said, you know, it's in, in the group chat that that was very much the sort of play that Lamar Jackson was was pulling off in his MVP season. That's the sort of plays that you want your quarterback to be playing. And and the, and the and the finally the massive benefits of having a dual threat quarterback are only there if you play like Hertz did last night, which is everything's working. You're not just relying on one. It's all great knowing that he can scramble, but when he's only scrambling when he, he's designed to, when he's only really scrambling when when there's a perfect defensive play or just throwing every every pass, you know, apart from waiting for the first incompletion towards the end of the second second quarter. It's just um it was just a perfect I say perfect, there's no such thing as play. I can't say that, but it was it was near enough to perfection that I've seen an Eagles quarterback play. And I know it hasn't been an awful long time, but it very much feels like listen to the fan base that this was what we needed in prime time at the start of the season to lay down that marker to show no one's out there now going, yeah, but this is what happened. No one's got a but point to Hertz's performance last night. And that's Vic said it earlier, um, which I think is the poignant um, phrase to wrap up this section of the podcast. And that is, it was his signature performance. It was his first signature performance as, as a quarterback for Eagles. On Monday Night Football, as you say, Phil, prime time, everyone's watching. Um, well, maybe not everyone. Some people might have been watching the, the Bills absolutely obliterate. In their game last night as well, but a lot of a lot of people a lot of people are watching. I just want to give a quick shout out before we end uh, the good, the bad, and the sexy uh, to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders has 176 yards on the ground rushing um, so far, and a touchdown. No fumbles, no dropped catches. I don't believe um, he's had any dropped catches either. Um, that's he's on track for 1496 rushing yards this year if he continues on that performance. Now, the proof will be in the pudding if he can stay fit and healthy, but he's averaging seven yards per rush, six yards per rush, and um, just under, which is, you know, in the top two, three running backs in the league. And, and we talked about this in the summer, in the offseason, that his actual uh, yards per carry is up there with some of the best running backs of all time. So please, Miles, stay healthy, because, <laughs> you know, you're a big part of this offense. And it's clear that Sirianni, he is running back one. I mean, this committee thing that was there last year, yes, Boston Scott and Gamewell are going to get in the game and Gamewell in the passing game and Scott on the ground a little bit, but this isn't running back by committee while Sanders is fit. This is Sanders and Hurts rushing, rushing the ball uh, for the majority of it. Awesome. All right, folks, to, uh, to wrap up this first of two podcasts this week, uh, we're going to look around the East and then make sure you... Look out for the second podcast, which will be released on Thursday, where we will talk about the Washington game, the important matchups, our predictions, and a couple of questions from our UK fan base as well. So first game to look at around the East is the Giants versus the Panthers. The Giants won 1916 to go 2-0. Surprising for me, because I had the Panthers winning this game comfortably. Daniel Jones went 22 of 34, uh, so, so pretty much uh, 67, no, 67, 68% completion, 176 yards, so not a lot through the air, one touchdown. He was one of three in the red zone. Saquon Barkley, 21 carries for 72. Uh, you know, 72 yards sounds okay for running back, but when you look at the 21 carries, having just spoken about Miles Sanders' um, yards per carry, which is six, you look at that and it's, 
3.5 at best for Barkley. Uh, Gallo with four field goals, that kind of tells the tale of the tape a little bit. Defense had two sacks, four quarterback hits, and five tackles for loss. So, um, yeah, listen, an okay performance by the Giants against a Pampas team, which are, which are rowing two now, even with Baker Mayfield and, and, and CMC there. Mick, just throwing that to you first. Thoughts on the Giants' performance so far this season? <clears throat> Is it just the opposition they've played so far and just seeing what you're expected to see? Or do you think the Giants are surprising a couple of people so far this year? No, the Giants are dog shit. Um, I, I'm not having it at all. They're two, they're two and zero, oh, but they're the worst two and zero oh team in the league by a country mile, and it's just really fortunate for them that their schedule has been so soft. I, I know they opened up at the Titans. The Titans get obliterated by the Bills on Monday Night Football, which ran concurrent to our own game. I didn't really see it. I haven't seen the highlights. I saw. I just saw Diggs absolutely destroying um, the Titans at that point, but. Yeah, um, thanks, uh, thanks to the Titans for AJ Brown, by the way, because now it seems that the any team who played him, all they have to do is focus about on on Henry, and you know that's it. So yeah, yeah. Cheers, but I mean, the Giants are still. I, I don't think they're anything really to worry about. I'm I'm still thinking they're going to comfortably finish bottom of the division, uh, even though they're 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 two and zero at the moment. Um, but Dallas next week, so see how that goes but um daniel jones like you said he's one in three in the red zone he's, he's not he's not been particularly good this year um they didn't pick up his his um option on his contract i think the giants are looking to move on from him after this season and they're not really expecting much just tells you when their kicker um scores four field goals in a game how the game actually went um you know, in, in, that, in that first week as well, I mean, they, they relied on the Titans missing a field goal to win that game. And then this is just another one they've absolutely scraped past because the Panthers are equally as terrible. Um, so it's just, it's very flattering for the Giants, but I won't be taking any shit from the fans because they're terrible. I can't <laughs> wait to destroy them. 11th of December, I think it is, the watch along for the first Giants game. 11th of December at Passion Avenue in... Uh, Waterloo, that is our next watch. That is our next official watch along. We're going to be part of another watch along, which will which will release on next week's uh, podcast. But yeah, 11th of December is the next prediction Irish Eagles official watch along, and it's going to be a passion game in Waterloo in London against the Giants. And oh baby, is it going to be fun? <laughs> well, I teed you up for an ad read there. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even. Yeah, I'm professional now, Mick. You know? Uh, I know. I know. I know. I know, but no, I think the Giants have still got big problems at receiver. I mean, Kenny Galladay was he even playing in that game? Uh, Kenny G hasn't done They're anything. Playing an, paying an absolute fortune for that guy to do absolutely fuck all. Yeah. So yeah, he was a diamond in the rough in a in an absolute cesspit shithole of a roster for the Lions before uh, he he moved on. Um, it was the Lions, wasn't it? Galladay was that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Just double checking. <laughs> um, Phil, I'm not sure we even need to come to you on this, but any thoughts on the Giants? Yeah, they're turd. Moving yeah, on. cool. Yes. Sweet. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, an interesting one to touch on. No, no, let's see that last. Uh, so, um, Cowboys, uh, one on one, and they had a victory uh, against the Bengals. Uh, probably the shock of the weekend in terms of results. Uh, I would say definitely is. Uh, Cooper Rush, 19 of 31. So, yeah, okay. 235 yards through the air, one touchdown, looked okay. 
Noah Brown, 5 of 5 for 91 yards and one touchdown. The rookie's looking pretty good. CeeDee Lamb, 7 of 11 for 75 yards. Um, the defense had – am I reading that right? The defense had six sacks and nine quarterbacks hits against against Joe Burrow. Jesus, Joey, I'm sorry about your O-line, man, but that is absolutely horrendous. Joey is getting destroyed out there. God, I hope he's got enough cigars to chill out after a game for those kind of stat hits against them. Uh, they won with a walk-off field goal, um, and yeah, well, none of us like to see that. They are the cowgirls after all. I'm not worried about the cowgirls whatsoever, um, but just want to throw it over to you, Phil. Uh, decent win. Um, there was, I think I remember seeing a Twitter post from some uh, Cowboys fan saying, oh, that was, wasn't it Skip? 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 Didn't Skip come out and say that Cooper Rush could be better than Dak Prescott? I might have seen that as well somewhere. Um, I mean, he played all right, but I'm not going that far. No, I, I, I admittedly took a lot of Cowboys players out of any lineups I had because I just wasn't convinced that Cooper Rush was going to be the same sort of player um, or the Cowboys weren't going to be the same sort of team that they um, that they, they would have been had, had Dak still been healthy. Like you said, Burrow had an absolute nightmare of a game. The, the Bengals had a bit of a nightmare of a game, so I'd say that the Bengals lost it more than the Cowboys won it. Probably similar to um, a lot of the other games that the other NFC's teams are, are getting under their belt. It's the sense that they're playing poor teams that um, just aren't up to up to the grade at the moment. Um, we'll see when they come up against... I mean, Monday Night Football next week is definitely not going to live up to the hype of this week. It's the uh, it's the Giants and the and the Cowboys, but um, yeah, it was, it was a frustrating game because I think we know how good the Bengals normally are, and they just didn't. Yeah, they just didn't perform, or at least they were last season. Yeah, they were at the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's, no. what, that's what I mean. You can't knock it, and, and 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 I know teams can have those kind of seasons where everything just clicks, you know, and the things that everyone thought would be their weakness just never came to fruition. Then first game, second game of the next season. That's when they start coming out. And go, oh well, maybe they're not going to be as good as we thought. People are getting overhyped on the Bengals, maybe, but they are a good team, and I think Cooper well, Rush is overhyped on the Bengals. I mean, like, there's just reason to have that hype about the Bengals coming off the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm shocked to be honest at where they are so far. And Joey B is up there for you know top regressed player of the year this year. If he keeps going the way he's going, yeah, it's it's it's, it's it is a massive regression from where they were last season already and it is concerning that but that's what i mean is the sense that you can have these seasons where everything clicks and people gonna get this this not this false representation of how good your team is and then well, like 2017 18 no that was different <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah exactly like that you know we we had an overhyped expectation of where the years were and the roster was very good but then as soon as it started going wrong it went very wrong quite yeah. quickly over the next couple of years and, and the very much the same thing could happen to the Bengals just without the the trophy to to show for it if they're not not careful but um I'm not overly worried I think everyone goes through these bad games you look at the the the, the Vikings um Green Bay game last week I don't think that's a fair representation of either of those teams but Vikings were overhyped because of it and the Green Bay Packers were written off because of it and both both teams then suffered their next game as a win or a loss respect you know opposite respect yeah so i think i'll be interested to see how the cowboys do against the giants i mean, i say it's gonna be a bad game i'm actually quite curious because obviously they're both defeat defying the expectations right now where they where they are because the people thought the cowboys weren't going to be very good without that they're obviously a little bit better than we thought and the giants for some reason are, are better than we 
would expect them to be, maybe because they've played two terrible teams so far this season. You wouldn't say the Titans were a terrible team when they played them, um, but now it's looking like they are going to be this season's sort of really poor team that's going to really struggle. So maybe that takes a bit of shine off that with that victory. Um, Who do you want to win, Phil? Who, who do you want to win that game? That is a very good question. I, I, I'm going to say something sacrilegious. Let's say I think I would rather the Cowboys win because I want them to be overhyped and then crumble. <laughs> mm. But then again, you know, do we really want the Giants to have a really, really high pick in the draft next year? It's a tough one, right? Well, I think it, you can. It's sort of like game theory, isn't it? It's, it's a question of we, we really think we're more convinced that Giants are worse. Than the Cowboys are worse, so I think you can argue that if the Giants went three and I, ridiculous as that sounds, um, we still be convinced that they aren't going to end the season in the playoffs for whatever reason. So it's almost like, yeah, they can have their bubble for while they laugh at it, like while they have it. But um, the Cowboys are, are a team that can be quite dangerous when they get a bit of momentum behind them. So oh God, it's just too difficult to decide. I just, right, that, that, let's go for a three-all tie, shall we? That's that's enough of the cowgirls. That's enough cowgirls there, Tom, in this podcast. Uh, Mick, last game to looking at the NFCs this week, the Washington um, Commanders. I think he said about three different names there. Uh, Washington Commanders lost to the Lions. Uh, Lions put up 30-plus points two weeks in a row, coming off the back of hard knocks. Uh, Carson Wentz again, no problem through the air, 30-46 uh, of 46 for 337 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Dan Dotson, four or five for 59, a touchdown. That's three for the season for him. Curtis Samuel, I thought Curtis Samuel was going to have a bit of a bounce back this year for the Commanders after he was injured most of last season. Seven of nine. He was really good for the Panthers, if you remember, um, before he moved to the Commanders before last season. He had 78 yards for one touchdown. And uh, the defensive line had three sacks, 10 quarterback hits, and three tacks for loss. We know the defensive line of the Commanders is probably, well, no, definitely their strongest part of their team. And um, yeah, talk to me about it. I've just, I've just listened right. up the Washington stats. The, the Lions oh, well, still beat them though. You know, the, the, the stats don't tell the whole story of the mm. game. Um, I'll just walk you through the first half, shall I? Of the so, Washington, we, of the, of the Washington offense. We've got if, about, if, um, if you're not, if you're not aware, all right, listen, <laughs> punt, punt, safety, punt, 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 half time. Jesus Christ, really? The Lions were up 22 to 0 at halftime on Washington. Washington oh. had done fuck all that first half, and the Lions relaxed because the Lions do Lions things, and, and they allowed Carson Wentz to come back into the game. Carson Wentz doesn't have it. We've seen it so many times in Philly. Now the Washington fans are like reading the stat lines like, oh, Wentz wasn't the problem in that game. Wentz was the problem in that game. Jalen Hurts wouldn't... Jalen Hurts... Not that Jalen Hurts wouldn't. Jalen Hurts didn't allow the Lions to do that to him um, with, with the amount of pressures that they put on Jalen and they put the same pressure on Wentz. Aidan Hutchinson, just himself, had three sacks, two tackles for loss and three quarterback hits wow. um, against the Commanders. So um, it goes to show what a difference a quarterback can make. But they, they absolutely do have potent offensive weapons. We'll come on to the matchups and all that for the game next week. But still down in Washington. Don't let them fool you. Well, with that in mind, we're going to end the podcast here. Um, and we're, well, we're going to be recording in about five minutes to do the second podcast of the week. Um, full disclosure on that front, 
Uh, but we thought we'd um, we'd break up the podcast a little bit. We've had some feedback that two-hour podcasts are a little bit too hard to stay uh, <laughs> stay with uh, when you when you listen to it during the week. And people would prefer we broke them up into a, a reaction and a preview podcast. So that's exactly what we're going to do. So we'll see. Um, any of your feedback, uh, always welcome. We are doing this for the fun and the love of the Eagles and nothing else. So anything you guys want or think will be better for a podcast, we'd love to hear. And please do keep sending in your feedback to us. Uh, listen out for the, the next podcast, as I said um, earlier on, that will be released on Thursday, where we're going to talk about the game against Washington. We're going to do our prediction picks, and we're also going to answer some questions from our UK fan base. Um, I'm a bit out of breath anyway, after that Jalen Hurts uh, monologue, as it was called. Uh, but this was a really fun podcast. Uh, I think probably my favorite game that I have watched since we started the next man of podcasts um, and, and took part of the British and Irish Eagles. It was so much fun. Phil, you made a really good point earlier on. It might have been you, Mick, where you said, when was the last time we all stayed up and watched a full late game? Normally, because when we stay up for the late games, it's dead <laughs> by halftime and we, we need to get a bit more sleep. Uh, there was no chance we were going to sleep last night. Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, you know, uh, Darius Slay, Miles Sanders, Smith, you name it. The whole the whole team was clicking uh, last night against the Vikings. And we love reporting on a win and speaking to you guys. Mick and Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Phil, we're going to let you go for the next part of the podcast. So thanks so much. Go and give your baby a kiss and have a good night's sleep before you go to bed tonight. Uh, my, na- my nanny always said, dip your finger in whiskey and put it around their mouth when they're a babe to help them fall asleep. So you can decide to take that advice or not. Uh, we have been the next man of podcast and we are the British and Irish Eagles and we love you.